to direct us now to the Word of God. And you know, I'm so glad that I don't have to go to a different passage, somehow choose a passage that is uh, especially taken for this situation. Second Chronicles chapter 20, before we left for Israel, um, I preached a sermon on the God who fights our battles. As you know, we've been having a, a series of um, sermons on the God who fights our battles. And um, I, I preached about Hezekiah's uh, uh, predicament uh, with uh, Sennacherib when the uh, Assyrians uh, attacked uh, Judah. And uh, I preached also about Jehoshaphat last uh, Sunday, with the, uh, rather the Sunday before I left, with a similar kind of situation when the Ammonites and the Moabites attacked uh, Judah as well. And so I started that second uh, sermon uh, on the God who fights our battles in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I didn't get to finish. There was a good chunk of that massive material that I did not get to uh, speak about, but which seems totally appropriate uh, for uh, the times that we are facing, the times of relative crisis in the world. And uh, what do we do when crises come to our lives or to our nation? Well, we saw that uh, Jehoshaphat did the most important thing that he could do. The Bible says that he resolved to inquire of the Lord. That is in verse 3 of Second Chronicles 20. He was alarmed, as we need to be alarmed sometimes by the things that uh, are happening in the world. He was alarmed. But as the Apostle Paul said, says, and we mentioned that earlier, instead of becoming just anxious and fretting and, you know, focusing on the crisis, he diverted his attention to seeking a solution. So he resolved to inquire of the Lord. He sought the Lord's face and intervention. He inquired and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. And we spoke a little bit about these two things, about seeking the Lord in times of adversity and also the benefits of fasting when you really need, you know, a special torque, special amount of uh, power in situations of great crisis. He uh, fasted. And um, th this whole passage is uh, a wonderful prayer, really a model for prayer and for the kind of um, uh, resolve that we need to have. So in looking at Jehoshaphat's actions, it's really important. You know, what, this, this idea of uh, he, he proclaimed a fast, but not only that, he, he called the people of Israel, the people of Judah, together. He brought the whole national family together in that big expanse that was the Temple Mount. And there he uh, inquired of the Lord, and he asked his people to pray with him. And, you know, there, there's, there's a time to pray by yourself and to pray uh, by yourself. But also there's, there's a time that you need to bring others along. When you are in times of great crisis, you bring your family together. The church comes together to pray. Um, there is a time to pray in community as well, which is important. And to, and to sort of um, bring together just the sheer power of collective faith to bear upon a situation. These are times when God's people need to come together to pray as the church of Jesus Christ that has authority in the world to release and unleash the power of God. Uh, concerning a certain situation. And um, 
you know, out of that uh, collective prayer, something powerful emerges, a solution provided by God. And, and it brought to my mind um, a situation like that uh, in, during the Second World War. You may have heard about Dunkirk. There was a movie that came out uh, recently. I don't believe I used that illustration um, the Sunday when I preached about this passage. But uh, it, during, it, during the Second World War, there was a moment of absolute crisis in England there was a, a, a large part of the British army, 350,000 men, close to 350,000 soldiers, were ambushed and absolutely surrounded by the Germans. And the only thing that they had in front of them was uh, the uh, English Channel, part of the ocean. They had nowhere to go, like Moses in front of the Red Sea. And uh, the Germans were already slowly coming around them, surrounding them. And it was clear there was going to be a total massacre. And that this entire army was going to be obliterated. And really, it would have determined the uh, rest of uh, the Second World War. If that would have taken place, it would have been all over. The, the Germans would have um, won the war. But... Um, the king of England, at that time, George VI, uh, approached uh, Churchill. You know, some people credit Churchill with that um, uh, initiative of prayer. But no, it was the king who approached Churchill. Churchill was a famously uh, secular individual. But the king approached him, and um, I, 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 I quote something from, that I read in the internet. It says, famously non-religious Churchill was surely not looking at prayer as the answer in the midst of this crisis. But he could hardly refuse the king. On May 24, King George VI addressed the nation. And he said the following. He said, let us with one heart and soul, humbly but confidently, commit our cause to God. And ask his aid, his support. That we may valiantly, that is courageously, defend the right that is the cause of, the, of uh, fighting the, the Nazi machine, valiantly defend the right as it, is giving us, as it is given us to understand it or to see it. So directed by the king, you know, Churchill called for a day of prayer. And, and uh, that day of prayer was declared formally, and the English people, the uh, British people were uh, invited and called to come to the churches. And on that Sunday... All of the places of worship in England were filled, and people were outside even, not being able to get into all the houses of worship, to pray for a solution. You know, these men were slowly being strangled into the stranglehold of the Nazi war machine. And then all of a sudden, a set of miraculous events began to happen. And many, many individuals believed that it was in response. It was really called, it's the miracle of Dunkirk. You can, you can read about it. I, I encourage you to see the movie as well. It's, a, it's an amazing movie. So a, a series of miracles happened that enabled the entire English army to cross the English Channel and to escape destruction. To this day, military strategists cannot understand why Hitler decided to hold to put on hold the attack. And he uh, attracted the uh, anger of many of his generals because he decided to hold back on the attack unexplainably. 
giving time for an initiative to take place to get this men through the English Channel back to England. Uh, bad weather during the time of the evacuation of these men across the English Channel affected the capacity of the Luftwaffe, the, the German powerful, powerful air force to attack and strafe uh, these, these men as they were escaping through the English Channel. Um, calm seas, all of a sudden, unexplainably, the calm, uh, a calm came over uh, the English Channel, and so little boats that uh, were put together all of a sudden by the English people to help their men escape, because the English Channel is not that uh, wide, really, uh, between that place where they were and uh, England, the English shores. And so, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little boats, as well as the large, uh, you know, ships that the, the English army was using to evacuate these men, enabled um, uh, these, these, these different uh, sources of support to evacuate hundreds of thousands of men. And uh, the response of the English people to this day is one of the greatest displays of national heroism that has ever been seen. So in, in, a, in the course of just a few days, more than 300,000 Men were transported safely to England by around 800 vessels of all sizes. And the army, the British army, was uh, saved to fight another day. And, of course, we know the results. It says here that the prime minister called it a miracle, a word he was not known to often use. There seemed no other word to describe it. Not just one, but a whole series of miracles. Without any one of them, the entire operation would have failed. Hitler halting the, the Blitzkrieg, that is the, the aerial attack, the thick protective cloud cover, the English Channel growing still, the hundreds of tiny boats appearing seemingly from out of nowhere. What turned the tide? For the king, there was no question. God had intervened. You know, and this is what nations need to do in times of crisis. This is what God's people need to do. Like King Jehoshaphat, we call a solemn assembly. We call the people of God, as we are doing this morning, to pray. More miracles do not happen in our time because people, nations, do not pray enough, do not appeal to God, do not give Him the glory. So today we have the opioid crisis. We have young people committing suicide in incredible numbers. We have homelessness all over in America, reaching crisis proportions. Our children are not performing well in schools. Abortions and, and births out of wedlock are alarmingly high in America. Now, there are, yes, there are human solutions that must be undertaken. But I am sure that if America prayed more, that if, the, if our government would uh, look for a situation founded on faith and on, on this powerful God that we have, many things, you know, we would find much more powerful solutions, much more uh, immediate solutions to the needs of our country. And so in, in this time, what we need to do is call the people of God to prayer, call the nation to prayer. And this is where the solution lies. And I'm sure that God would intervene in, in a powerful way, as he did in the, in the case of uh, King Jehoshaphat. So let's look for a moment at uh, some of the elements um, that uh, made up Jehoshaphat's prayer. Number one, look at verse 6. He praised and worshiped God. He said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Do you notice how specific, how detailed, how abundant 
the expressions of uh, God's power from the mouth of Jehoshaphat. There's no coincidence. You know, when we, are, when we are facing times of difficulty in our lives, we need to make sure that we use our mouths, uh, we use our minds to declare God's attributes of power. There's something that becomes prophetic. As we, as we tell the Lord, Father, you are great, you are strong, you are powerful, you are good, you are all-knowing. These utterances, they, they're not just um, um, neutral expressions of knowledge. They are actual, actually invocations of these attributes of God to move on our behalf. They release this power of God to bring about the solutions that we need. This whole chapter of Second uh, Chronicles 20 is a chapter about the power of praising God, giving Him glory, turning our eyes to Him, and declaring His attributes. So we praise and worship our God. Do not neglect praise. Do not neglect worship during this time. Number two, he, uh, he appealed to what I call scriptural precedent. What do I mean by that? Let, let's look at verse 7. It says, and, and Jehoshaphat says, Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? I can't omit this, this idea that, you know, God gave this land to the Israelites forever. That includes the 21st century as well. God has not abandoned the nature of His promise to the Israelites. He gave the land of Israel to the Israelites forever, even beyond their disobedience, even beyond their uh, mistakes that they have made historically. That land was given to them. And so there, there was a covenant. There, there was a, almost a, um, a judicial declaration that that land belonged to them, and it could not be taken away from them. So uh, it, uh, Jehoshaphat appeals to that judicial, just as a lawyer appeals to the code of law of his land in order to defend a client or to extract some sort of benefit or defense from a client. Uh, Jehoshaphat says, Lord, this is written in your book. You have promised this. We cannot be taken away from this land. No Ammonite, no Moabite can come in and just destroy the people of Judah. And so we appeal to you. You know, and, and when we pray in situations of need in our lives, we also need to include that element in our prayers. We need to know Scripture. We need to look at scriptural declarations of God. You know, that God is a faithful God. That God is a good God. That He will intervene on our behalf. When I have needs in my life uh, for ministry, you know, one, one scripture that comes to my mind is, you know, if anyone has a need of wisdom, seek it from God, who gives abundantly and without reproach, and it shall be given to them. So I say, Lord, you have promised me, and you have promised your people that you will give us wisdom when we don't know what to do, when we have no clarity on a situation. So we appeal. We use what the scriptures say. And in a sense, we bind God, I mean, using that very respectfully and reverently to His Word. You know, when, when, this, uh, when the Syro uh, Phoenician woman, when Jesus says to her, you know, she's appealing on behalf of her daughter who um, is demon-possessed, and Jesus says, you know, I can't help you now because I, I first have to, you know, I, 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 actually in an insulting way, Jesus was, Jesus was testing her 
But he says, you know, you can't give the, the, the food to, to the dogs. And, you know, it's, it was a hard word because she was a Gentile. And Jesus was testing her to see her reaction, saying, you know, I can't give this good food of uh, healing to Gentiles. So he uses this word, I, you cannot give food to the dogs. And the woman takes that word of Jesus and turns it against him in a way. I know on her behalf, and he says, yes, Lord, but even, even the, the dogs have the right to eat of the crumbs of the little dregs, the, the little remnants that fall from the table. And he marvels at that. He was amused by the faith of this woman. He says, woman, by your faith, your daughter is healed. What did she do? She bound him. You know, she took him at his word. Okay, yeah, maybe I'm a dog. But hey, dogs have a right to eat even of just, you know, what falls from the table. A little crumb from your word is enough to heal my daughter. And Jesus was honored by that. And he was bound also by what he had just said. And she was right. She turned the tables against him in a way or on her behalf. And so remember that the word of God contains all kinds of declarations and promises for your life, for your children, for your generation. And that you need to know the word. You need to study the word and use that word when you pray as an appeal to the Lord. This is why it's so, it's so important to have the word of God always uh, bubbling in our mind. We need to memorize it. We need to read it over and over again so that when the times of testing come, we appeal to that scriptural precedent. Because the, the spirit world uh, does flow according to judicial, legal principles. Both the enemy do that, does that and God certainly uses his word, and he, he's bound by his word. So she, he worshiped the Lord first. He used the scriptural precedent. And thirdly, which is sort of a variant of, of, uh, of um, the second one, he reminded God of his promises. So he uses, you know, he uses the fact that, uh, you know, that God has, a, has a given the land to the Israelites, and then he uses a promise that God gave to the Israelites when the temple where they are standing, when the temple was built and inaugurated, this is what uh, the Lord uh, told Solomon, or Solomon really told the Lord. He says in verse 9, um, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, notice that he says the sword of judgment. He says even when um, we have sinned against you, and, you know, some people say, well, all of this is happening, you know, this coronavirus stuff and so on because of the sinfulness of people and so on. Maybe so. Who knows? Because evil befalls the human reality for many, many different reasons. But the fact is that God is always a God of mercy and compassion. God is a God of love. And so he says, even if the sword of judgment, even if when we um, violate your word and offend you, or a plague, or a famine, such as we are facing in this time now, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. This was a covenant that um, Solomon had established on that day of the inauguration of the temple, and God heard it. So... Um, you know, there is, there, is, there is that promise of God that he, very specifically, that he is appealing to, and he's believing that God is going to honor that word. He, oh, and he reminds him of, of that promise that he made. So he worships, 
he appeals to scriptural precedent. He reminds God that he promised something very specifically regarding their standing in that place, in that position of the temple. And number four, he mentions Israel's merciful actions in the past. He remembers, he remembers that Israel, in regard to these Moabites and these Ammonites that are now trying to destroy them, there was a historical situation where Israel acted very righteously on behalf of these very invas- invaders that are coming now. So in verse 10, verse 10, he says, um, but now here are men from Ammon or Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. He's appealing to a historical situation that took place many, many uh, years before where God had, had told them, as you pass through these lands of the Moabites and the Ammonites, don't destroy them, don't attack them, ask them for permission first to go through, pay them for whatever water you use and so on and so forth. And the Israelites obeyed God and they did what God told them to do. Now he says, See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. So you know, I, I, I mentioned that as also something that we need to include because, you know, this is the importance of um, making sure that uh, before crisis come in our life, we are living uh, a life that is righteous before God, that uh, we are defending God's kingdom, that we are being generous toward the causes of God's kingdom. You know, one thing is when you pray and you feel no authority in your life because you know, you, you just, you know, you, you're mediocre about your spirituality. You, you serve God only, you know, at the minimal level as so many believers. Another thing is when you come in a situation of crisis and you, you can appeal to a righteous. It's not that God will answer you because of your righteousness. I mean, God's answers are just out of grace. But it is good. It gives us authority. It gives us conviction. It gives us a sense of confidence. When we come before the Lord and we can appeal to a life of honoring God, of walking in integrity, of serving the Lord, of defending God's cause, of um, being proactive in preaching the gospel and being generous with our gifts, with our finances, with our service to the Lord, with our life of um, worship and, and uh, devotional life. And so this is what he's saying, saying, Lord, we, we treated these people honorably. We obeyed you, and now they are paying us back in this way. So, you know, we need to come before the Lord and remind him. You know, you remember in, in that passage where uh, Hezekiah is told, you're going to die, and, uh, you know, you, you will not live. And Hezekiah turns his, you know, face against the wall, and he appeals to God. He says, Lord, remember my actions on, on behalf of your kingdom. Remember that I instituted a lot of uh, changes in the life of uh, Israel. Remember that I've acted honorably before you. You know, it doesn't hurt to, to pray to the Lord in the light of our relationship with him. This is why when we are living life in, in normalcy, you know, this is, this is the time to accumulate points, so to speak, you know, before God. So you can come with great confidence before the Lord. You know that you have, that you have um, a precedent of life with God. Don't wait until crises come 
to, to seek God's face. The time to serve the Lord, the time to accumulate power, the time to learn uh, the, the principles of good prayer and, and faith are the times when things are going okay, when things are going well. The time when a soldier gets trained is not during war. It's not while the bullets are flying. It's, you know, in times of peace, you get prepared because then you can appeal to a life of righteous actions before the Lord. So again, he praises. He appeals to scriptural, you know, judicial precedents. He reminds God specifically of promises that he has given on, on behalf of Israel. He mentions righteous actions and a righteous past in serving the Lord, which doesn't have to be perfect either. We know that. But at least there has to be that uh, significant concern about God's kingdom. And finally, in this, in, well, actually there's two more. Uh, number five, of course, he closes the deal. He asks God to intervene very specifically. So if you look at verse 12 here in this passage, he says, Our God, will you not judge them? I mean, this is a rhetorical way of saying, God, judge them. They are acting un ungratefully. They are seeking to destroy us. They are seeking to take us out of the land. Will you not judge them? So he says, God, judge them. For we have no power to face this army. And that's, but yet, uh, that, that's the last, that, that, that's the number six. He asked God specifically to intervene. And why do, I, why do I put that there? Because we have to be specific about our prayers. When you pray to God, you have to mention your petitions with a first name, last name, and social security number. You have to, you have to be very specific you know, ask God for specific things. Don't be afraid. God loves when you come to Him and, and you kind of underline your, your needs. Don't be afraid to ask Him for big, hairy, audacious goals and, and to ask Him specifically for healing and, and mention that place in your body where you need healing. If you need, um, you know... Uh, to ask for a loved one, well, what, what is it that is keeping them away from the Lord? Is it pride? Is it resentment? Is it uh, bad relationships with other people? Mention these things and mention specifically what you want from the Lord. If it's in your finances, if you need a job, well, ask Him for the job, but then ask Him also for location and ask Him for whether you want your boss to be well-dressed or you don't care about that or not, or whatever it is. Pray specifically to the Lord about the specific things. God loves to answer specific prayers, okay? He, don't just leave it, oh, God, I need your help. Please help me, whatever. No, be specific in your prayers. And then the final thing, which is so crucial, uh, is in um, verse 12, the second part of verse uh, 12, when he says, will you not judge them? But he says this, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This is one of my very, very favorite verses in all the Bible. And I use it many times when I'm praying, especially in situations that are very difficult and very overwhelming. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. My brothers and sisters, this is the essence of prayer in one sentence. 
It is where you confess ineptitude. It is where you acknowledge that you are powerless to bring about the results that you need. It is where you realize humbly that you don't have the goods. You, you don't have uh, the solution for a particular situation. But then, after you confess that, you know, this, this is, what, what does God say to the Apostle Paul? He says, my power is perfected where? In weakness. And uh, we have to learn to cultivate weakness in the Lord, not out of a, you know, bad self-esteem or timidity or depressiveness. No, it is a kind of cultivation of weakness that is wholly spiritual and heroic, I would say. It is where you choose to believe that you don't have what it takes to bring about a solution in your life. And I've always said that there's no better place for a man or a woman to find themselves in than that moment when they come to the absolute realization that they don't have what is required for a particular situation. And when they're kind of left stark naked before the Lord. And then your prayer acquires a kind of clarity and intensity that you know that it's going to be answered by God. It is where you, you, you become laser focused on your need. And all the little accessories are taken out. The pride, the, you know, the seeking something else that, that can solve your, your problem, some, something related to your skill or knowledge or wisdom or whatever. No, you simply stand naked and helpless before the Lord. And then your prayer comes out of that impotence. And then you turn your eyes to the Lord. That's the second part. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Do not be anxious about anything, but with all prayer and supplication, let your needs be known to the Lord. And so Jehoshaphat, you know, turns to, to the Lord and says, we don't, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our hope is on you, Lord. And the Lord listens. And you know the rest of the story. This is an amazing passage. And we could go on. There's even a third step, a third section of this uh, whole process. Um, the answer comes from the Lord. The prophet Jehaziel st stands up and gives uh, the solution for the situation. And so, people of God, yeah, you know, that's why I say uh, we, we don't need to... We don't need to go to some passage uh, that we take out of, you know, somewhere uh, in the Bible before this particular situation that we're facing right now with this whole coronavirus thing. You can see that this is what we preach every Sunday. This is the passage that we preach before this thing became even so, so serious as it has become. This is, what we, this is the stuff of life, people of God. It is, the, it is the, that, that foundation on God, these wonderful passages that we have in Scripture. And we'll see a couple of them, at least more. This is the stuff of um, a believer's life. We, we face whatever situation. Life will always offer new challenges, new moments of uh, need and, and, and of a crisis. And we, we, have, we have dealt with them before, and this is just one more opportunity for the Lord to show Himself faithful. And so this morning, I ask you to look at the example of Jehoshaphat. To acknowledge that, you know, there may be things that we cannot deal with. There, there are things that are out there that we cannot explain or plan for. 
but our eyes are on the Lord, our eyes turn on the Lord. Amen. I, I feel the, the struggle that we have. I mean, you know, this is like a little burden that we have. I'm not projecting. I know that in these times of uh, these kinds of crises, you know, we're concerned. There is a certain deficit that we have emotionally, and that's okay. But I ask you more than ever to turn your face to the Lord. Let us stand steadfast. The God who helped Hezekiah or, and helped Jehoshaphat is also on our behalf. This too shall pass, people of God. Amen. And we will, again, as I say, we will open our windows and open our doors and we will celebrate. Let us stand. Let us stand. And um, amen. If you want to clap, do it well. Come on. Let's give the Lord a big hand of affirmation. Let us exercise this balance that we have talked about. We do our due diligence. And this is what Jehoshaphat did. That's the part that we don't get a chance to preach about. But there's a part where you face the enemy and you do what we have to do in the human realm. And there's a part where God comes in sovereignly and he intervenes on our behalf. So we're standing on that this morning. And Father, we have said it all. Our preaching has been a, a prayer before you. We have declared your goodness. We have declared your faithfulness. We know that in times of trial and tribulation, this is where you show yourself mighty and faithful and loving and uh, holy on behalf of your people. And so we trust in you. Our eyes are focused on you. And we already say thank you, Father. Thank you for bringing the solution. Thank you because we will return to normal. Thank you because there are good things that you still have to do in this world. Thank you because through this crisis, many will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we do pray that that will be so, Father, that you will use this time to break hearts, to, uh, to open them up more and soften people up to an acknowledgement of need of you. And we thank you, Father. And I want to take a moment to open up the opportunity. If anyone here um, feels that uh, this word has touched some area of your life and you want to, uh, you, you're not, your faith is not placed on Jesus and you want to ask him to enter into your life and, and you need a special touch of Jesus in your life and you want to Raise your hand and ask for prayer. I'd be happy to pray for you this morning. So we, leave, we open up that space. If there's any prayer that you want us to do on your behalf, or you just want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, you want to ask Him to come in and to strengthen you. and to, You want to put your faith in Him as well. We, this moment is open for you. Let, let me know, and I'd love to pray for you this morning. If there's anyone here then I want to pray for We want to pray for you this morning. Is there anyone that needs and wants to invite Jesus to come into their life? And we will be available here. Just come, come forward and we will pray with you. Even as we sing one last word of praise to the Lord, we would love to commit you to the Lord. Feel free. The doors are open. God's arms are open for you. And we would be honored to pray with you receive Christ. So this, this time is available. This time is open. So we thank you, Father. Thank you for being here. Restore us. Restore us. 
If you came in with a spirit of fear this morning, just rebuke it and take it out right now. Do not return home with any kind of uh, burden, okay? God is with us. So come on, let us, let us, let us engender, let us generate that, that faith. Don't leave from here with any kind of burden because God is with us, okay? So thank you, Father, for your blessing. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.